Hey kiddo, welcome to the Inspire to Engage podcast, where we talk marketing for small business owners, how we can serve our existing clients well, and ways for us to engage more with potential clients. And of course, we'll talk some about the juggles and struggles to do all of this while still having a life. I'm your host, Rachel Eubanks, and I'm so happy that you're here. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 32. This one I'm calling Simple Market Research to Know Your Customers Better. See, I've said it a thousand times and I know you've heard it from me and from lots of others. Know your ideal customer. But the problem is for a lot of us, that's easier said than done. For example, I work from home behind a computer. I do not have a brick and mortar store or an office building where people that happen to pass by could come in and sit down and talk or for example, a brick and mortar where you have customers come in and you can really lean in on those conversations and start to figure out exactly why people are choosing you. It's harder And COVID-19 has even made it harder for all of us. But it's definitely harder if you have an online component to your business. And so let me give you a little backstory about how this came about. One of my fantastic clients has an online component to her business as well. She does have a studio, but she has a stream of revenue that comes from online sales too. And so what we started working on last week was some simple market research, was for me to spend some time with her customers over the phone or on Zoom and asking them a series of questions, really leaning into who they are as people and why are they choosing to do business with my client. So I'm sharing with you today the process so that when people tell you, hey, are you sure you know your ideal customer? You no longer have to wonder, well, how do I get to know these people? How do I get to know these people better? I'm taking you through the process that I use. Now, of course, I'm sure that it could be more streamlined, but that's not the point. The point is, is to get started. And this process right here will help you get started. And then the more you do it, the more you can streamline it. You will find tips and tricks that make things faster for you. But this is definitely a starting point and this is the process. This is These are the steps that we used recently to get to know her best customers even better. Okay, so here we go. The very first step as a small business owner is that we have to identify three to six of our very best customers. Now, the thing is, is if you're just getting started in business, you may not have three great customers. If you are someone who's been in business for a really long time and you have 15 great customers or 25 great customers, I would encourage you to narrow that down to just three or six. And let me talk to you about how you can go to go about narrowing it down. For example, if you have several streams of revenue coming into your mature business, choose one stream of revenue, maybe the online portion since that's the hardest part, that's the hardest, um, it's the hardest avenue to get to know the people in your business because they're ordering only through email and 
you don't really get to spend a lot of time with them face to face. So let's say that you're a mature business. You have several streams of revenue. Choose the one that gives you the least amount of face to face contact and choose from that group of people three to six email addresses that continually buy from you. Now, once again, I say keep it three to six because this could become overwhelming to you if you don't limit it. So you do not want to have 20. And if you don't have three to six, well, choose one or two. Choose the one customer or the two customers that continually come back and buy from you. So that is your first step is to identify your best clients, your best customers. Okay, step two, create a, and I use quotes here, personalized template email so that you can send it to each customer on your list now. I encourage you to use your business email address. This is not the time for you to use MailChimp or Constant Contact or Flowdesk, whatever your email service provider is for when you email out your whole list. No, the difference here is that we want to make it seem very personal and not just seem, but we want it to be very personal because we are appreciative that these people have been our very best customers over the last months or over the previous years. And so even though we're going to make it easier on ourselves and use a template, we are still going to personalize that template because that's the least that we can do for people who have poured in support and money into our business. So like I said a couple of minutes ago, or a couple of seconds ago, use your business email address to do this work. Now, here is a template that I wrote. I'm gonna read it out loud to you. You are welcome to use it but it's really meant to just give you an idea. So if you don't really like it, you can alter it and make it your own. But here is something that I would use. Dear blank, so you're gonna use the name. Thank you for being a loyal customer. Over the years, you have continued to purchase blank from me and your support means the world. Since you are a valuable customer, I would love to talk with you more. I want to know you better so that my business attracts more customers like you. Would you be willing to chat for 15 minutes sometime next week? And no matter your decision, use Awesome10 as a discount code for 10% off your next purchase for being such an awesome customer. Thank you again, sincerely, and then sign your name. Now, also let me tell you about the composition of this email. The very first paragraph, thank them for being a loyal customer and how much it has meant to me and also set up the reason I want to talk to them. So it went like this. Thank you for being a loyal customer. Over the years, you have continued to, to purchase blank from me and your support means the world. Since you are a valuable customer, I, want, I would love to talk with you more. I want to know you better so that my business attracts more people like you. That's the first paragraph. And then I press entered and put some white space there because this next question, if they're scanning, I want them to see the question. I want it to be sitting by itself. So then I ask the most important part of this email or what I, it's not the most important part. Thanking them sincerely is the most important part. But the call to action is, would you be willing to chat for 15 minutes 
sometime next week. I want that question to be by itself in its own paragraph so that if they're scanning, they see the thank you portion, they see the question, would you be willing to chat? And then I closed it with the discount. And no matter your decision, use Awesome 10 as a discount code for 10% off your next purchase for being an awesome customer. Thank you again. So for that initial email to your three to six customers, that's how I would have worded it and that's how I would have formatted it. So they quickly saw the first paragraph was about thank you. The second paragraph was asking a question about you being willing to, willing to chat. And the third paragraph was thanking them with a discount code. Now let's talk for a second about the discount code. I don't personally believe that you have to give a discount code for someone to get on Zoom or a phone call with you. I really don't. The thing is, is that most people are willing to give us 10 or 15 minutes if we give them individual attention. Most people are not going to be upset about it. And if they say no, that's okay. We're not upset. We'll just move on and ask another customer or we will just have five customers versus six customers. Not that big of a deal. So you decide if you want to offer a discount or an additional item to be sent with them. If you would rather add value than to offer the discount. That is honestly up to you. And Heck, you might want to experiment. Try it two ways. Send out these emails this time with no discount or no additional value and see, but and see if you don't get the response that you were anticipating. But I will tell you that most people are going to agree to a 15-minute chat about your business. Let me say that again. Most people who are going to say yes to chatting with you about your business, they're going to say yes whether you offer them a discount or not. That's just the type of person they are. So the discount or the additional value is really just a step, a gift from you saying, hey, I appreciate you. Here's here's a gift. That's really what it is. Because anybody that's going to say yes, it's not like the 10% is what made their mind up or the additional value that you're going to offer them. That's not why they said yes. Okay, so our first step was that you have to identify your three to six best customers. If you have lots of best customers, then let's narrow it down to a particular revenue stream and choose from three to six there. And it could be your revenue stream that's mostly online or it could be the revenue stream that for some reason is giving you a lot of trouble. You haven't quite figured out why people aren't just flocking to it, but these four people continue to buy from you. Listen to them. Or it could be the exact opposite. It could be the revenue stream that's just blowing you out of the water and you can't really explain it. Or maybe you think you know why it's doing so, so well, but this is your opportunity to really nail it, nail it down why people flock to this particular thing that you offer. So there's your step one is that you've got to identify your best customers. And then step two is to send a personalized email. I would suggest using a template. So create a nice email. I just gave you an example. And then be sure to insert names and maybe one other piece of personalized information. 
Step three, let, let's back up before we go to step three. Don't forget your subject line when you go to press send. Here are a couple of suggestions. You could, if you chose to put a discount in there, you could use the subject line discount inside for being great or something like thank you so much and you could even put a comma and put their first name in that subject line or you could even just straight up ask them the question in the subject line. May we chat for 15 minutes? So those are two or three options in your subject line. You just want to be sure to add a subject line so that they are more likely to open that email from you, that very personalized and individualized email from you. Step three, follow up with those who are interested in participating. So hopefully at this point, you will have heard back from several of your best customers with either a yes or a no. Now we know, please don't get sad and offended if you don't hear back from some people. Think about how you treat your inbox. You see something come through and you're like, oh man, I, I need to write them back, but I don't have time right now. Let me, let me just, I'll do this later. And then you forget. It's not personal. You're not angry and mad and upset at them. You just forgot. Or maybe you finally remembered, but it was four days later and you think to yourself, they're probably not interested in hearing from me anymore. They've probably moved on. So if someone doesn't write you back, it doesn't mean that, that they no longer like your business or that they are offended that you contacted them about talking for 15 minutes. It just really means they probably got busy or they overlooked the email. That's really all it means. Same thing, if someone writes back, no, I don't feel comfortable or I'm just not interested, simply write them back a reply thanking them for the response and that you understand. That's it. There's no reason to make a big deal out of it. But it has been my experience that most people of those three to six will actually respond back and say they are interested in participating. So this brings us to step three is that you need to follow up with those people. We have several people interested in chatting with us on Zoom or by the phone. So let's get it written down. Let's get it on the calendar. Let's send an email that says something like this. Dear person's name, thank you for agreeing to chat. Below is a Calendly link so that we can schedule a phone call or Zoom meeting. If you would rather email, I understand too. So I've listed questions at the end of this email. Hit reply and answer them. Thank you and I so appreciate your time. And then of course, below that thank you, I would have a link to Calendly where, where you could choose a, where they could choose a 15 minute time. You can also add in Calendly, and I'm talking about the free version here. So you, if you play around with enough, you can add a question where they get to choose phone call or Zoom call. And that helps you know if you need to later send a Zoom link to them or not. And then below that, where they're going to schedule with you, you would then have a list of questions for those people who do not want to talk to you in person at all. They simply want to participate by email. Therefore, go and give them the questions and make it easy as possible. Let me tell you my thinking behind this email. This would be my second email to a customer. 
So I want to make this as efficient as possible. So in the second email, I ha I do have several call to action, several calls to action. Number one, I want them to get on my schedule. And once they get on my schedule, I do need them to clarify whether we're going to do it by Zoom or by phone. And so that's technically two call to act two calls to action right there. And then there's really a third in here that if you're not going to do that, you're not going to speak with me on the phone or over computer, then here are the questions, hit reply. So I kept that email short and I asked that many calls to action in there because I don't want to then have to send a third and fourth and fifth email. Like we don't want to wear out our very best customers by asking them to talk with us for 15 minutes. Now, with that said, I know you may be thinking, but Rachel, could you have included all of this information in your first email when you're thanking them and when you're asking them to chat and then possibly offering them a discount code or something of additional value if you chose to go that direction? So to answer your question, if you were thinking that, yes, you technically could have put both of these emails into just one email. The reason I didn't is because that is asking a lot out of somebody. That's asking them to read a lot of information. Even if we have a lot of white space in that email, we're asking them to say yes, they want to participate and then go on and sign up or say no, they don't want to participate, but they're going to answer the questions. It just got to be too much. So my customer and I, my client and I decided to do it in two emails. So we initially did an email that thanked them and asked would they be willing to participate in a quick call about themselves and about doing business with this other small business. Then we did a follow-up email to those that said yes. And we said, oh my goodness, thank you so much this is how you get on my calendar. And then by the way, if you don't want to talk to me in person, here's some questions to answer. So that was our thinking. And that's why we did it in two emails versus just one email. You are welcome to try it either way. Let me know if you find that there are, there's a definite advantage either way. One more note here. For those of you that already use a CRM, a customer relationship management tool like HoneyBook or Dubsado or HubSpot, you might be able to handle these series of emails through that. I'm just tossing out, I didn't because I was only emailing about six people. I just handled it from my Gmail account, my Google business email, and I just went from there. But I did want to say something because I know some of you think very efficiently and may, will, may be able to employ your CRM to help you get all of this organized and to run more efficiently. Now let's move to step four, which is technically maybe step 3B. Because in the email just a few minutes ago, I said, if you don't want to talk to me over the phone or over Zoom, I have listed a series of questions below. Simply hit reply to them. So we need to we need to make those questions up. We need to create those questions. Now, 
I'm going to give you a couple that I used or would encourage you to use. Of course, you're the business owner and you know in your heart of hearts what it is that you're dying to learn from your customers. So just because I give you a couple of examples here, be sure to tailor your questions to what it is that you need to know to run your business better and to serve your customers better. Question number one, how did you come to know about know about my business? Let me say that one more time. Question number one, how did you come to know about my business? This is so important to us business owners because this is the top of the sales funnel for us. How did these people get to know about us and then come to buy from us? And the reason that this question is vital is because it tells us where to spend money or energy as far as marketing. Please ask that question, how did you learn about how did you learn about my business? I don't know why I keep stuttering all over that question. Another question, is there something that my business could be doing better? Is there something that we could be doing better? Question three, what is your favorite product or service that you've purchased from my business? And then ask them why. Why is that their favorite product or service? Question four, why do you continue to purchase from me? And then number five, do you consider yourself a blank person and why? Let me clarify this question a little bit. Oftentimes as business owners, we assume that we're selling to a certain type of person. So for example, if you sell craft kits for making jewelry at home, you probably as a business owner assume that you're selling to a quote unquote crafty person. This person appreciates, enjoys doing crafts. Or if you're a fitness guru, you assume that you're selling services or products to someone who's quote unquote health conscious. So as a business owner, it's really important that we ask our customers, what do they see themselves as? Because sometimes what we realize is what we see and how we created our product or service to be is not actually how other people view our products or services. An example could be, we asked several people about our jewelry boxes and they're like, heck no, I'm not a crafty person. Are you kidding me? The reason I bought this box was because it seems so simple that even somebody like me could do it. And when you hear that enough as a business owner, it starts to inform your messaging. You realize that people aren't necessarily buying your boxes because they consider themselves crafty. In fact, it's the opposite. They don't consider themselves crafty, but they want to be. So they buy your boxes because even anybody could do those boxes. That starts to inform your messaging if you hear it enough. I'm not saying just because one person in the interview says that, that all of a sudden you change all of your messaging. You are going to start to hear commonalities if you talk to three to six people you will start to hear some things come out repeatedly. It may not be with this particular question. I'm just giving you an example. So let me go back to this question one more time. Question five. 
do you consider yourself to be a quote unquote certain type of person? So if you think that you are selling to crafty people, you as a business owner think I'm definitely selling to crafty people, or you as a business owner think that you are definitely selling to health conscious people, or you as a business owner definitely selling to someone that appreciates discounts when they can get their hands on one, or they're definitely a DIYer. Well, let's check that. Let's check if this is really what your customer views themselves as. That's all I'm saying. Be sure to check your vision of your customer with the actual customer. Now to step five, and to me it's an easy one. Be sure to send Zoom links or WebEx or Google Hangouts. Be sure to show, to send those links to any clients who agreed to meet with you over those platforms. If they're sending their responses by email, then there's no further contact with you needed. If they are agreeing to talk with you over the phone, you could send them an email as a reminder coming up or just confirming that you received an email from them and that you are good with the date that they chose. And here's the phone number to expect that I'm calling from. So definitely send a follow-up if you are meeting over something like Zoom because you need to send them the links. Or if it's a phone call, you may want to confirm that you received their email and to let them know which phone number to be expecting a phone call from you. Now, on to the fun one. Step six is where you actually get to chat with one of your best customers. Now, you could do this as a focus group, which means you try to get everybody, all three to six customers in together, let me say that again, together at one time. I chose to do them individually, and I did that for several reasons. Number one, there was a maximum of six customers that we chose to do market research with. And I really wanted that quote unquote quality time with each customer so that I could hear their individual responses. So when I talk about chat, that's what I'm going to talk about here for just a couple of moments is that individual conversation that you have with customers. Now, remember, previously we have already written a list of questions. We're just going to use those same questions to start the conversation. Now, because this is supposed to be a conversation, be prepared to ask follow-up questions. And an easy follow-up question is why? So if someone says, you know, I don't consider myself a crafty person, or I don't really consider myself a DIYer, or I do consider myself health conscious, then you can follow up with why? Or how did you come to think that about yourself? Do you do lots of crafts? Have you always paid attention to what you eat? Be ready for some follow-up questions. And the best piece of advice I can give you is to treat it like you're really talking to a friend. We want it to be professional. So you want to look put together and prepared to talk to them over Zoom. Or you want to sound wide awake if it's just on a phone call. But at the same time, you do want it to be rather easy banter back and forth between you so that you get honest comments from them. Because remember, this chat, this market research is meant for us business owners 
to learn more about the people that buy from us. So we have to ask about their lives and what they have going on. And our second goal is to delve deeper into why they buy from us. So we've got to learn about them and then we have to learn why they choose our business over other businesses. So step six to me is the best part. It's the chat. And I will tell you this, when you're scheduling your chats, I would put them as close together as possible. If you could schedule three or four on one day, or maybe even all six, if it doesn't wear you out, that is going to be very powerful for you. If you get to hear these customers' comments very close together, because what's going to happen, and I referenced this earlier in the podcast, is you are going to start to hear common statements. These threads will start to stand out to you. And that's important. That's one of the, that is what we want to figure out here. So that's a piece of advice I would give to you is to definitely schedule your chats as close to each other as possible. Maybe over a span of three days or over a span of two full days. And Earlier, I had mentioned using using Calendly, which is a free tool to schedule. And I still stand behind that statement. But I will say, if for some reason that technology just scares you, you just don't want to use it, you simply can put in dates and times in, in your email that you are available. But what you have to be careful of by doing that route is that you don't have several people write back and say they want the exact same time as each other. So that's why I suggest when you are scheduling your chat sessions to use something like Calendly because when you open those times and someone clicks on the link and takes a particular time, then that time slot is no longer available to anybody that opens the link later on. That's my piece of advice. (laughs) Okay, on to step number seven. The last step is to synthesize. You've got to come together, look back at all of your notes. And if I haven't said it already, jot notes like a crazy person. Even if you can't get down word for word what they're saying, at least put down a couple of words so that when you go back, when you get to step seven and you start to put together all of this information, you've got to go and make sense of it. Those little bitty notes that you have jotted down will spur your thinking. And you're going to be like, oh yeah, this is what Tasha meant when she said da, 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 da. Or, oh my goodness, now I remember what Carl said about such and such and such. So please take notes like a crazy person, do the best you can, because it is going to be important on this last step. And that's where you start looking back for common comments, things that came up over and over and over again. That needs to be your first piece of information. What were some things that came up over and over again? Jot those things down. Then the next thing that you're looking for is, does my audience view themselves the way I thought my audience viewed themselves? It could be split. You could have some that 
identify exactly how you think they would identify. And you could have some that don't. And that doesn't mean that you're going to have to make a rash decision, but it is an interesting thing to note. The information that you now have in front of you helps you to start getting a clear picture of who it is that you serve. You can take this information from these different people and start forming a picture of one particular person. That is called making a persona or a best fit customer. And what you're doing is you're using the common characteristics of these people, the reasons that the reasons that they buy from you, things that they have in common going on in their life. For example, are or five of the six people that you interviewed mothers of young children or are four of the six people that you interviewed at the gym at least six days a week. Common things like that are going to help you make a very clear picture in your mind of who it is that you serve. And that comes back to knowing your ideal customer. And I would argue that you would take it a step further and create a customer story, an ideal customer story. So that when the going gets rough, when you're making decisions about what's your next product line, when you are really stuck on social media, or you haven't sent an email for ages, and you know that I need to send an email, but I don't know what to say, guess what? You now have six or three or two people that you've talked to and that you have a clear picture that you're serving them. And if you've taken it a step further, you have condensed some of those characteristics down into one persona so that you're not holding all of the details in your head. Instead, you've condensed it down. If you could see my hands, I'm doing that sign where I have my hands wide, where you've got all of this information and you're looking for common threads and you're bringing it down. So I'm bringing my hands in (laughs) to making it an ideal customer persona, or as Amy Porterfield says, an ideal customer avatar. That's where I see value in doing this market research. This is a great spot for me to say, It's not just about creating an ideal customer story. The reason that you do this market research, it really is about getting into the trenches and spending time with the people who are buying from you. It's amazing what you learn when you hear it out of their mouths, how they see your products or services. So that is the ultimate goal is to get in the trenches. And then after that, it informs your ideal customer story, and your messaging. So I really encourage you to follow these couple of steps. Let me go through these really quickly. Step one is to take time to identify your three to six best clients for a particular product line or service. If you don't have three to six best clients, then talk to the one or two. After you have identified those customers. Now it's time to write a personalized email to them. Now remember, I want it to be personalized by using their name and maybe adding something specific about what they buy from you. But overall, I want you to use the exact same email with all three, four, five, or six people 
because we do want to stream this line for you as a business owner. Second, I'm sorry, that was your second, is to write the personalized email asking for them to participate in this market research. Then the third thing is if they say yes, which we hope if they respond back with a yes, then you want to follow up with how do they want to participate? Are they good with a phone call or a Zoom meeting? Or would they rather not do that and just simply answer a set of questions? Step four, but technically 3B, is make sure that you have developed those questions that you want to ask. Step five is a quick one. If they say yes, that they want to meet over Zoom, be sure that you then send an email with a Zoom link. And if they want to participate by phone, be sure that you confirm that you got their email and that you got the time that they're going to participate and that this is the number to expect a phone call from. Step six is the best. It's where you actually get to spend time with the people who have poured the most time and energy and money into your business on the consumer side of it. You get to chat. So step six is chat. I would set it up for 15-minute conversations. I will say that most of the conversations went a little past 15 minutes. So 15 minutes is a good time block. You don't want to ask them for an hour of their time. That's going to turn them away very quickly. And you yourself don't want to set aside an entire hour for something that you really can get done in about 15 minutes, maybe as long as 30 minutes. And then step seven is to take all of your notes from these conversations and to synthesize them, bring them together and look for commonalities because you could take it a further step and, and create that avatar or that persona, that ideal customer story. What does that person behave like, struggle with, enjoy that buys from you. I would say that this would this project, this market research project, would take you overall about six hours, stretched over maybe a week's time period, a seven-day time period. So you would start, you know, by selecting your customers and sending that initial email, and then you would end with looking at your final notes. So it would take you anywhere from about I would say it would take you a total of about six hours stretched over about seven days. And I would try to do it rather quickly. If I started the initial conversation with them, asking them to participate in this market research, I wouldn't, I would not set a time to talk with them a month and a half away, unless that's the only time they can talk to you. Because for you, it is going to be harder to remember those conversations and to recognize when those customers say the same thing over and over again, or when they say something that's unexpected to you as the business owner. Therefore, I would encourage you to get this done as quickly as possible in a condensed time period is what I was trying to say. As promised from the beginning, I would tell you pros and cons of you doing this market research yourself versus a third party, somebody like me, a copywriter or a marketing consultant or an agency doing this market research for you. So let's start with a positive. 
It is a joy to hear your customers talk about why they love your business. I I so loved my conversations and it wasn't even about my business, but it made my face light up when I heard them talk about my friend's company and what she does. So as a business owner, it is very powerful to hear other people brag on you. So that is a pro. Number two, you yourself, the business owner, the creator of the service, the provider of the product, get to hear and see if you're over a video call, how people are responding to your, to your product. You're not having to have that information relayed to you through a third party. That to me is very powerful. So those are two advantages of you doing it yourself. Now, let's talk about the advantages of having a third party do it. If, number one, if there are things that your company needs to change, having a third party ask that question, you are more likely to get an honest answer. That's just human nature. If we love a business even if we have a suggestion that's going to make them better, or even if they made us mad one time, it is hard for us to tell them in person. I mean, minus it being something that they did to our kid or something like that. We don't have any trouble then. But if it's a shipping issue or something like that, to have them in person on the phone or on a Zoom call or Google Hangouts, it's difficult sometimes to talk about how things go bad. So that's an advantage of having a third party is that the person on the other side, your customer, is probably going to be more honest there. Second of all, having a third party takes the hassle away from you. There is some management there. And if you are strapped for time already, but you need the information, then hire a third party or don't hire anybody And ask a really good friend of yours, somebody that you trust to do it for you. I would say to swap services with a business friend of yours, but if you're strapped for time, if that's the reason why you're looking into a third party doing it, swapping with somebody is not going to help your situation there. You're still going to be strapped for time. So that's another advantage of having a third party do it is that you don't have to, you don't have to have the hassle, even though in my personal opinion, it's a fantastic hassle. And so those are the pro that those are the two pros for having a third party do it is that it's more time efficient for you and that people are more honest when the business owner is not there. But the advantage of you as the business owner handling the market research for yourself is that you get to see and hear yourself Someone brag on your business and sometimes you need that motivation. And the second advantage is that you're not having to rely on, upon somebody to relay you the information. And sometimes if someone's relaying information to you, they really may not tell you a piece of it that stood out to you if you had done it yourself. There's a heads up, pros and cons to both of it, to I'm sorry, pros and cons to both sides. Okay, 
I hope you have enjoyed this episode. It is one that is near and dear to my heart because anytime that we can get to know better the people that buy from us, the better we are going to serve them. And the better that we serve them, the more money we make the more likely it is for them to tell others about our business. So that is why it's near and dear to me. Plus, I just love people. If you found this episode helpful at all, please rate and review this podcast. I would appreciate it. You as a, you as a small business owner know the value of it. Plus, it's market research for me. If you don't like what's going on with this podcast, send me an email. And if you like what's happening, rate and review it. And that is excellent market research for me. And if I've convinced you to spend time with your customers so that you can get to know your ideal customer better, head to my site and get my online course, Creating an Ideal Customer Story. It's really the next step after this market research. Hey, I've got all this research about my three to six best customers. What do I do now, Rachel? Well, hey, let's put all of this stuff together. Let's condense all of this information that you have into one person, one avatar, one persona. I don't care what you call it, but let's bring together all of this information, condense it down into one real person or one make-believe person. And let's write a story about that individual so that you stay focused, so that you don't have all of this information floating around in your brain. Instead, you have it written in a three-paragraph story And when you need inspiration for social media or email, or you need help with making decision about a future product line or service, ta-da, you pull out your story and you start rereading and you start analyzing and thinking about, will Tasha, will Nicole, will Carl buy this? I hope I've convinced you to try market research for yourself. If I have... Think about the next step, creating an ideal customer story. You can find that at inspire to engage forward slash online course. Inspire to engage. There's no spaces and two is spelled out T-O. And if you have liked this podcast at all, please rate and review it. And if you haven't liked this episode, send me an email. Let me know. This is great market research for me as well. Okay. I hope you have a wonderful week. Bye.